Our second lesson is taken from the New Testament, from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And, and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Amen. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his word. Tomorrow, September the 3rd, I guess it is, is Labor Day. On Labor Day, we usually think about those who work hard and those who have this day off during the year. This set me to thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he labored away in a carpenter shop. And during those first 30 years of his life, how different he would have been from so many of the people that we have in theological seminaries and so many of the people that we have who are preachers. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ had calloused hands, hands where slivers of wood and splinters had stuck him in where he had bled. The Lord Jesus Christ knew what it was to stretch out at night on a bed with his back aching from toil that he had been gauged in throughout the day. He had great sympathy for the laboring man. That is why in this prayer, which we are going to be studying for the next few Sundays, he is careful to say, give us day by day our daily bread. For he knew all about that. Our Lord Jesus is a little boy growing up in Joseph's carpenter shop and probably living upstairs over that shop or right in back of it. 
I'm sure must have lain awake at night in fear when he heard someone come and begin to pound on the door. And they would say, Joseph, Joseph, wake up. I have a visitor and he's come to me and I don't have any food to give him. Can you help me out? And down in his mind, the little Lord Jesus would store away that night in which he was awakened and he heard that knock at the door and he heard that anxious entreaty from some neighbor who was in need. You see, out in the East, it's very, very important that hospitality be extended to a stranger, that hospitality be given to those who came. There were, of course, no Holiday Inns and Howard Johnsons and budget motels. There were no telephones and telegraphs. There were no letters to get uh, about easily. Uh, but uh, when a person came, you did not know when they might show up. And when they came, hospitality must be extended to them. And so this peasant had arrived at his home suddenly at midnight, a guest who had come, and there was no food to set before him. And so he had to have something to give to this person. And so perhaps he came and knocked on Joseph's door and begged, and Jesus remembered that. And he thought about his heavenly father, and saw Jesus prayed, at all times he prayed. If you notice the gospel according to Luke, the gospel of Luke begins with prayer. It begins with holy old people who prayed for God's Messiah to come. And if you read through the gospel of Luke when you come to its very end, you will find that Luke is fascinated with this theme of prayer because these earliest Christians, these disciples and apostles, after Jesus' ascension, had gone back to Jerusalem and were daily in the temple praising God and offering up prayers to him. And if you study this old book, the Bible, and if you read it carefully, you cannot help but be fascinated by the enormous amount of time that these people spent in prayer. Or if you read uh, about Abraham, you will read that Abraham prayed. If you read about Jacob, you will read that Jacob prayed. If you read about Isaac, if you read about all of the patriarchs, you will see them at their prayers. You will see weak, trembling men like Gideon, afraid of the Midianites, praying to God to somehow deliver his people while he meekly and timidly thrashes wheat in a wine press for fear of his enemy. You see, prayer was no stilted, formal thing with them. They prayed at all times and under all circumstances. On that day when Jesus came up dripping wet with water out of the Jordan River, he had breathed a prayer to God and the Holy Spirit had descended upon him. Jesus prayed. He would go out and spend the entire night in prayer. The writer of the epistle to the Hebrews says that with strong cryings and groanings, he would pray. He would pray persistent, fervent prayer to Almighty God. No wonder the lepers were cleansed. No wonder the blind could see. No wonder the lame could walk. He prayed, and he prayed with all of the fervor of his soul, and how he puts us to shame. If the very Son of God himself prayed so, 
Then it came to one of his disciples one day who saw Jesus praying in a certain place. And Luke is careful to tell us. And it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased prayers, you see they prayed out loud, they read the Bible out loud. He heard him praying. And this disciple unknown but for whom we must give great thanks to God because he gave us that beautiful prayer which we call the Lord's Prayer. This disciple heard Jesus praying in a certain place. And he went up to Jesus with that blessed request. And he said, Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus gives that beautiful Lord's Prayer that we're going to be studying. And how lovely it is. He begins by saying, our Father. What does the, do those words, Father, mean to you? Our Father. This is how he taught his own to pray. It was so natural for Jesus to pray. Is it natural for you to pray? Do you have conversation with God? Can you simply say, Father, help me. Father, I need you. Father, I want to thank you. Father, lead me closer to you. Father, teach me more about you. Father, bless the preacher that he may say the word that my soul needs most to hear this day. Father, bless me that as I sing this hymn, it may really and truly echo what I yearn for in my own soul and mind and heart. Oh, Father, help my poor child and bless me that I may be a blessing to my children. Or if you're a child, Father, bless my parents. Bless them and lead them into ways of righteousness. First of all, the Lord Jesus teaches us that most intimate of relationships, the relationship of a son to his father. Next, you come a rung down and we descend uh, not only from the relationship of the Son to the Father, but of a worshiper in the temple, hallowed be thy name. And coming lower of a citizen to the state, thy kingdom come, your rule. And then lower still, he prays, thy will be done of a master, of a servant to his master. And again descending of a beggar in the streets, give us day by day our daily bread. And continuing the descent, we come to the debtor and the creditor. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lowest of all of the captive in his chains, deliver us from the evil one. And in this comprehensive prayer, every single chord is struck. Of, and every relationship in which we stand God to man ascends to heaven in the short space of that brief but beautiful prayer. I've had people who have come to me and said, why must I pray? Doesn't God know everything? Yes, he knows everything. Doesn't he know that I love him? Yes, he knows you love him. But he wants your fellowship. A little baby that's born into the world needs conversation in order to learn. Last Sunday we spoke about that old man Nicodemus who had come to Jesus by night. And how Jesus had spoken to Nicodemus of a, of a new birth. Well, when a person is born again spiritually, he is spiritually a little baby. The first thing he begins to cry for is for the milk and meat of the word of God to teach him. And the church is loaded with spiritual babies. Then as he begins to grow in 
make little sounds. He begins to communicate. And what a thrill it is in a home when that baby says his first words and he begins to say, Dada. He says that before he says, Mama. All, all the daddies think that anyway. We, we, and then that happy relationship begins as we communicate. We communicate with expressions and then we teach him to talk. And then once the conversation begins, the learning process starts and the questions begin to fly. And he begins to grow and to become a person. Well, so it is spiritually. We grow in this way. We grow in our conversation with God who is our Father. And someone comes to me and says, but you don't know how often I have prayed and yet my prayers have not been answered. Well, let me say one or two things that begin here. First of all, the reason that I began with this particular parable today about the friend at midnight was so that you might understand that God blesses persistence and persevering prayer. Let me say first of all that there are people who have no real grounds to pray to God and to ask for things because they are not yet under the Lordship of Christ. And it is the ultimate hypocrisy, hypocrisy, hypocrisy to say in Jesus' name or in Christ's sake or for his sake when we don't mean it. And what we want, we do not want for Christ's sake, we want for our sakes. But can you call him father? Is he your father? I do not believe in the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. That's a heresy. There is a sense in which all men are creatures. In Luke chapter 10, the immediate chapter before this one, you will read the parable of the Good Samaritan. And you will understand that if you're a follower of Jesus, then your neighbor is anybody who is in trouble or in need, and you're to extend to him love and help. But only when he is born again is he truly my brother or truly my sister in Jesus Christ, or else I can't read this New Testament. Jesus said of some people, you are of your father, the devil. So how could there be universal fatherhood there? Well, here, here if we are born again into this relationship and we speak to God as father, and if we refer to him as Lord, what we want is under the Lordship of Christ. Then our wills are submissive to him and we can be persistent in that prayer. And back to that carpenter shop in Nazareth. And Jesus recounting how sacred this hospitality must be. And how those needs must be met. Tells of that friend who pounds on the door at midnight. And you know the word importunity I read on purpose a while ago in the uh, King James English. Importunate is a word which is a, 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 not a good translation at this point. The word here is shameless persistence. Uh, the shameless persistence of the man, it does not have to do with importance, but it has to do with persistence, persevering prayer. And Jesus teaches us to pray. I was thinking about something the other day, and I thought, Lord, I've been praying for this for years and years and years, and yet you've not given it to me. Why? And then I come back to this parable, and I read, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Importunate prayer. I have no release inside my spirit to let go, and I have no alternative but to keep on praying. 
The word importunate is shameless persistence. You know that friend at midnight illustration is, is very interesting. You see in that oriental home the family would live in one room and the father would be at one end of the children and the mother at the other end of the children and they would be the little tiny one next to his mother and then the next biggest and the next biggest and the next biggest down to the father. And the father was usually maybe the closest away from the door and they put a big uh, bar over the door at night to bar it from robbers. And here in the middle of the night with all these children asleep, oh boy, here's little Timothy, six months old, <laughs> who's right there. And the father thinks I won't get up because if I start stepping over these children, I'll wake them up and I'll never get back to sleep. That's what he's thinking. But the man calls out, friend, lend me three loaves. You know what a friend is, don't you? A friend is someone you know well enough to borrow money from, but not to lend money to. Well, <laughs> well, well, he cries out, friend, lend me three loaves. And the other guy tries to play like he doesn't hear. He thinks maybe he'll go away. And then he pounds and knocks on the door. And the neighbors next door say, for shame, why don't you go away? And the dogs all bark outside. And he starts off, this, this man who has a guest at his house, and he starts back home, and he thinks, I can't go home. I've got that man there, and he's hungry, and I've got to give him something. So he goes back, and he beats on the door again. And he says, friend, please lend me three loaves. And he is persistent. And do you know what Jesus says? Jesus says that finally, because this man perseveres in his prayers, Finally, that persevering prayer, which is a form of faith to persevere, this man gets up and he comes to the door, and once he unbolts that door, he says, look, buddy, here is not only three loaves, but here's four loaves and five loaves and six loaves. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> you got all you need. And then he goes back to bed. He does, he's afraid to give him three. He might have miscounted and come back after a while. <laughs> and uh, Jesus says... That our Heavenly Father is, is not like a churlish householder who is reluctant to answer. But Jesus says how much more? Jesus says that if we persevere in prayer, that God will answer. Now I notice this about this prayer. First of all, it is unselfish. I prayed before I came out here today. You know what I said? I said, Lord, there are people out there who need a word from you. In myself, I have nothing to give them. But you can give me the loaves, the bread of life which they need. Say something that will meet the needs of some heart. Help some person. You see, the man came and pounded away on the door, and it was an unselfish prayer. It was for the good of someone else. Michelangelo, the great painter, used to paint his marvelous paintings with a candle attached to a cap on his head so that the light would keep his own shadow from falling over the canvas. He did not want his shadow to distort. And in our prayers, we should seek to be unselfish. And then, of course, as I've indicated, he perseveres until the answer comes.
until the light breaks through. I am sure that our Heavenly Father has a purpose for whatever delay there has been in an answer to prayer. I'm sure that our Heavenly Father is teaching us some lessons. And he does not answer our prayers always the way we want them answered because he knows, he knows our needs better than we know how to describe them unto him. This spring, out in Paris, Texas, they had the 25th anniversary of my high school senior class. I didn't go to the 25th anniversary. One of the reasons is I was afraid I might meet the girl that I prayed I'd marry when I, when I was a senior in high school. I sure am glad the Lord didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> you see, he knew something that I didn't know. And he blessed me in a way that I couldn't understand at that time. And that's the way it is with God. We want it according to his will. And uh, you know, the, the grammar in this prayer is important. It's imperative, but it's in the present imperative. Imperative, of course, is a command. And the present imperative means ask, said Jesus, and keep on asking. Seek, said Jesus, and keep on seeking. Knock, said Jesus, and keep on knocking. Now, in all of these Asking and seeking and knocking, there is required of us some activity. And so we are to persist in our prayers. We are to persist in our prayers under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you know, when I think about the saints, and I think about the people who have been so close to God, it has been those who have been so persistent in prayer. Our hearts have been full lately of our memories of Dr. Bell and Montreat. And one of the most remarkable things about Dr. Nelson Bell was his great prayer life. And this is a little diary of private prayer that I have by Samuel Johnson. And I wrote in this diary of private prayer several years ago a comment by one of the prayers that Samuel Johnson had prayed. In this prayer, Samuel Johnson prayed to God Enable me to shake off all impediments and so to order my life that the increase of days may produce an increase of grace, a tranquility of thought, and a vigor in duty. And I wrote in the margin at the top of the page, Dr. L. Nelson Bell, an elder in our church, seems to have done just this. And I believe that's true. And when I think over other great Christians that I have known, they have been those people who were persistent in prayer, faithful in prayer. Raymond Berry was inducted into the Hall of Fame this summer. Howard Cosell of ABC Sports spoke on that Saturday when Raymond Berry was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And he said perhaps this incredible end after it had shown those marvelous catches that Raymond Berry had made while he was with the Baltimore Colts. Howard Cosell said maybe Raymond Berry is best known by many of us because of his faith in God. And Ray Berry is not only a champion on the athletic field, but he is a champion because of his great faith in Jesus Christ. He's not an articulate person. And when he received his award, he promptly gave the honor to God 
for what he had been able to accomplish through his time in athletics. Raymond Berry stood right here one day. I remember he had a sling on his arm because playing basketball down in the gym the night before he had dislocated his shoulder. And Dr. Bell had come up to the gymnasium that night and had put it back in place. And Raymond Berry stood here and Bobby Richardson stood here and Bobby Richardson, the great second baseman for the New York Yankees, gave his, uh, was to preach the sermon and Raymond Berry gave his testimony. I can still remember that testimony that Raymond Berry gave because of the humility of the man. What a blessing it was. Well, earlier that morning he had met in Ruth Graham's Sunday school class over in the CE building. Some of the students in the college there had asked Raymond Berry if he prayed every single day and if he read the Bible every single day. And Raymond Berry said, yes, I pray every single day and I read the Bible every day. And this person, one of the students said, do you pray when you do not want to pray? And Raymond Berry said, yes, I pray when I don't want to pray. He said, I've learned as an athlete that in order, to, in order to excel, there are things that I must do when I don't want to do them. And he said, I've learned that I can talk to God in prayer and tell him my heart. I can talk to God about my laziness spiritually and my unwillingness to pray. And so he said, I've disciplined myself to read his word, and I've disciplined myself to pray. And this thought led me to this. Last week I called uh, out in Texas and a young lawyer, number one graduate, the University of Texas Law School, 1,500 students in that particular class. He has cancer of the lymph glands. He was waiting in the hospital for his report, but all he could talk about was Dr. Bell when I called. Monday when they called me and told me the outcome of the test and the prognosis, prognosis for life expectancy. I could hardly sleep that night. I, I prayed for him. My wife and I got down on our knees and we prayed for him in the bedroom. Then we went to bed and I waked up in the night and I got out on my knees and I prayed for him again and again. Praying for him. And you know this thought came to me. I love him very, very much. And I don't want him to die. But I know a lot of people who have something far worse than cancer. I know a lot of people who are dying in trespasses and sins. And who are going to go out in a Christless eternity. And do I pray as fervently for them that they will come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord? Am I as concerned about spiritual hunger of soul? And if not, why not? And the thought has come to me. I'll lengthen my prayer list. And I'll pray more. And prayer is hard work. It's a lot easier to preach a sermon on prayer than it is to pray. It's a lot easier to read a book on prayer than it is to pray. Because it presumes upon us that we are under the Lordship of Christ. It is more correct to say, I live the Christian life in order to pray than it is to say, I pray in order to live the Christian life. Study the great saints. Study these people in the Bible. 
and study the life of Jesus. And as you pray, each of these petitions in what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is actually the Disciples' Prayer, will take on greater and deeper meaning, and your growth in grace will be there too. Pray as a righteous man. Pray in faith. Persist in prayer. Persist in your prayer that because of your faith in Jesus Christ, God has established a father relationship with you, and lift up those holy hands without a doubt in the world. Doubt sees the obstacles, but faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night, but faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step, faith soars on high. Doubt, doubt questions, who believes? And faith answers, I Lord, teach us to pray. Let us stand. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, we pray that thou wilt lead us to a life of prayer that will be like unto our Savior's life of prayer. That it in all times, in all places, on all occasions, we shall feel so easy and close and loving with thee, that our conversation will come natural and that we may learn. Oh God, help us to be willing to submit everything to him. And Father, we pray that just as he prayed that day on the cross when his hands were nailed to the cross and his body was racked with pain, and he commended his spirit into thy hands. And he sought forgiveness for those who had sinned against him. That we may be crucified to self. That we may live unto Christ. And that we may show forth in our lives that love which he can teach us when we truly pray. He told us that if we would ask for the Holy Spirit that you would grant the Holy Spirit unto us. And every one of us, the best we know how, ask you now, Father, give us the Holy Spirit so that he may produce in us a life of love and a life of prayer. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our keeper and guide, be and abide with you all, both now and forevermore.